Hi, I'm Brent Stafford and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. It's hard to believe it could happen in Canada, a government assault on one's right to speak freely, to share information, and to engage in the operation of a lawful business without fear of penalty or fine. It's even harder to believe that I'm not talking about the recent and ongoing challenges resulting from the 2020 pandemic. No, these are the words RegWatch first used in February of 2016 to describe the Quebec provincial government's draconian measures in its maniacal war to eradicate vaping. Joining us today to unpack the battle to ban vaping in Quebec is John Zedus, owner of four vape shops in the province of Quebec and regional director for the Canadian Vaping Association. And also joining us is David Levesque, founding partner at Digital Smoke Supplies, who has been instrumental in helping the Quebec Coalition for Vapors Rights, or CDVQ, in the French acronym. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having us, Brent. Look, I don't need to tell you two how hard of a time vapors in Quebec have had it over the past few years fighting to save vaping, or how hard it's been to engage English Canada with what's been going on in your province. But now that Nova Scotia and PEI have fallen to flavor bans and vape taxes, and with the federal Liberal government mulling over a flavor ban for the entire country, it would seem to me that it's very important to really get to the bottom of what's been going on in Quebec. John, let's start with you. How dire is the outlook right now for vaping in Quebec? Right now, uh, in Quebec, it could not be worse. The, the outlook could be as bleak as when Nova Scotia first announced their intention to ban flavors. We got our announcement on December 9th from our Minister of Health, Mr. Uh, Minister Dubé. Um, out of all the recommendations he was given from um, the special intervention group, uh, he said that he wants to move quickly on two of them. Now, those two would be to ban all flavors except for tobacco flavor and to limit the nicotine at 20 milligrams. So effectively, it would look just like Nova Scotia and we would expect the same disastrous outcomes. So in the end right now, it is all about flavors. It is, yeah. David, we'll dive into obviously flavors in a bit more detail later in the show, but right now, give us a top line on what's going on both at the national level and then also in Quebec. Uh, well, basically, uh, we've tried to give tools for a uh, vape shop to to help the vapors communicate to their elected officials. So uh, lately, tobaccokills.ca uh, went live as a platform where uh, vapors or non-vapors, anybody that, that relates to harm reduction uh, tools can contact their MNA uh, and tell them what they think about vaping. Uh, and and the earlier stage of that was Coalition um, Droit, uh, sorry, Droit des Vapateurs.ca, which is basically the same tool uh, sending emails to the MNA. The, the important thing is that we try to give a voice to the end consumer because us, uh, as you know, people from the industry, our, our opinion uh, comes across as bias. And it's important to remember that there's 500,000 uh, people at risk. You know, there's a million smokers in Quebec. So one of the two will, will die from this. But when it comes from us, it's irrelevant. If it comes from people that have lived it first and it has a lot more impact. Walk us through, David, tobaccokills.ca. So exactly what happens here? When you log on, uh, if you scroll down, uh, you'll see two options. Uh, one French, one in English. Uh, and as you click the contact your MP, 
this number uh, needs to be adjusted. We're close to 100,000 emails sent at this moment. And depending if you're a former smoker or you just uh, support arm reduction, uh, you can click this and uh, it'll lead you to a page where you punch in your name, uh, your address, and it'll send an email to your local uh, elected official. And why is this so important? Well, like I said, uh, you know, it, it has more impact when it comes from the end consumer itself, because our opinion, uh, as mentioned, is a bit biased. Uh, and, and, you know, every vapor counts as far as votes. Uh, the truth of the matter is that these people, you take that uh, away from them, chances are they're not voting for you next election. So uh, it's important to show the strength of numbers of how many people it affects uh, and hopefully uh, guide elected official into taking the right de uh, decision. So you said now there's 100,000, over 100,000 emails sent to government officials, to politicians. Correct, 100,000 users have sent emails to the elected officials. So, David, how important is it then to reach the politicians? I mean, is Health Canada an option? They be a, a target of TobaccoKills.ca. Why the politicians? Well, the truth is, you know, we have uh, industry leaders like uh, John at the CVA that uh, have been trying to communicate with uh, elected official for for months, if not years, and the door's been closed. Uh, ever since we managed to get those emails out to them, uh, they've received tremendous uh, amount of emails from, from vapors or people that support arm reduction. Uh, and since, there, since then, it's created no, an opening. Uh, Daryl at CVA has managed to get a lot of uh, sit-down discussion and, and open discussion about our industry and about our, uh, the, our involvement in redu reducing the arm in this country. I would imagine, at least in our experience, that the politicians are getting a one-sided view of vaping, and that's what's coming from mainstream media. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, at the beginning, when we started, if I can add, uh, when we started in Quebec, the French campaign, you know, that you have the auto-reply and the fabricated responses that you're getting from these politicians. And the, the one thing they would mention was, we're doing it to protect youth. There was no mention of the smokers. There was no mention of any kind of health benefits or anything like that. And over time, as we started sending them, we started to see that they would recognize that they had to put more importance into tobacco use and to the adult smokers. So I did notice a change over time in my interactions with the government. John, let me ask you this. Why is saving flavor so important? Why is saving flavor so important? You know, there there are studies now that are coming out to show how flavors actually help uh, in the transition from smoking. And considering that we believe and we know from science that it's less harmful, you want to encourage people to make the switch. But I take it a step further and and I say, well, you're basically painting the solution as the enemy. So that message goes out into the public and then the perception, which we've been battling ever since Evali and even before that, it gets ruined. It, uh, vaping seems just as bad or maybe worse than smoking when it's not. And that's what we're that's what what we're concerned with as well. John, seeing we have you here, why don't you provide us some backstory 
about Quebec and the war on vaping because it really did start there. A lot of the huge, massive battles were first lost in Quebec, if I could put it that way. Are you referring to uh, the Bill 44 or? Yes. Uh, well, as you know, in 2015, or I think it even started in 2014 because they started uh, talking to uh, or had a public audience before implementing their new law. And so at the end of November 2015, during the very first vape expo, I was right. I was at the vape expo vaping. And that's when we found out that you're not allowed to vape indoors. So everybody was wondering if uh, they were doing something illegal or not. But anyway, um, fast forward a little bit to 2016, we uh, uh, decided to start a challenge in Quebec to defend vaping and the, against those regulations, most notably the fact that we could not even make a comparison to smoking. So if a customer came in and said, is this actually better than smoking? can't answer can't give him no science um so one of the other things that we uh, we were also fighting for is the right to sample and to try before you buy because as you know uh, there's nicotine strength there are flavors to choose there's a wattage there's a lot of different variables that make uh, the success factor uh you know if you buy the wrong kit you're not going to have any success making the transition so um those points and as well the right to market to smokers let them know that there is a self safer alternative those were the, the main points that we were challenging and uh cva over the years spent over two hundred seventy thousand dollars in legal fees to cover these costs so you can imagine how expensive it could be to defend it and uh, I don't know if you want me to go all the way fast forward to uh, May 9th of 2019. Uh, that's when we actually got our judgment. So we had to wait uh, a full four or five years before we get our judgment. And that's when um, that's when the judge said that, uh, first of all, he gave uh, he said that he sent the government back to rewrite the laws and suspending them, but left them in force while giving the government the time. Uh, to decide what they wanted to do. But the things that they struck down was the, um, the right to vape inside a vape shop, the right to tell smokers that it, there's a safer alternative, and the right to remove the frosting on our windows, which uh, was a bit of a surprise because no one in the industry really, you know, we think it's a good thing to frost the windows and not necessarily against it. And uh, the right to advertise directly to smokers and tell them that there's a safer alternative. So those were the points. However, in the uh, the government here, uh, you know, our public health director, Mr. Arruda, and the attorney general decided to appeal that decision. Now, most recently, we finally got our chance in court on the 22nd of March. We uh, the appeal was heard and it was quite interesting, to tell you the least. But uh, I think we did very well in the appeal. Um, I know uh, I know there were there was uh, the Canadian Cancer Society who came there with uh, what's his name? Um, gosh, um, Rob Cunningham. Mr. Cunningham. Yes, that's right. So he was uh, he was he was joined onto the file to provide additional uh, support for the government. So what we have here was a whole series of restrictions that were basically deemed to be unconstitutional. That's right. And it was impeding a citizen's access to uh, a safer alternative that would improve their health. And then the Quebec government appealed that decision, and that's where we're at right now. That's right. But we had our day in court, so we did have the appeal. And uh, our, our lawyer, I stand by her a thousand percent. She did an amazing job because uh, if, you, if anybody watched it, um, the attorney general 
um, he brought up a couple of things that was challenged by the judge in terms of the Bedford case. He was trying to argue that the Superior Court does not have the right to make constitutional decisions. And the judge corrected him to say, no, no, the Bedford case actually showed that Superior Court is allowed to make constitutional decisions. So they look kind of not very organized there. And the second thing was the Canadian Cancer Society. Well, they were redoing the whole process. They were doing the whole court challenge. They brought in new evidence. They brought in new Ivali numbers. They brought new youth uh, fear-mongering uh, slogans to the table. And uh, Audrey once again reminded the court that it's not a trial. It's a uh, appeal, a place where you defend the positions you made in court, not to bring new positions. So I feel confident, and the judges, there's three of them, assigned to make the decision together as opposed to one in the initial trial and they're supposed to come out with their decision within six months so september october timeline i'm hoping we're going to throw a big party and find out that we have a court case to defend and you know to set precedence in canada and hopefully have a glimmer of light because all we see now is protecting youth with no regard to smokers health yeah i was going to ask you how frustrated are you but you do sound hopeful <laughs> Yeah, well, it is frustrating. They're playing with our lives. And that's why when you see on Facebook and on Twitter, people, you know, saying, you're not going to tell me what I'm going to put in my body. Uh, these people are, are are upset and understandably so. People, we're playing with their lives. We're pushing them back to smoking. Uh, when, when your life is threatened, when your family's lives is threatened, you get really pissed off. So I understand them to a certain extent. Yeah. What is it about Quebec anyhow that makes them so anti-vaping. Well, I mean, Quebec is known to take the harshest route on, on whatever subject it is. It's always the case. I mean, if you want to take COVID, for instance, I mean, we were the first one to be confined, uh, which with reason, but uh, we're the only one in North America, or uh, maybe even in all of them, the Americas, uh, to have a curfew. Uh, they always take things a notch further. I mean, I don't know if the, uh, if it's the separatist or what it, what it is, but, uh, that's, that's the way they roll. So is there any hope that there will be a semblance of common sense in Quebec ever, or is it just going to be a, a nightmare fight the whole time? I, I look, I mean, if, if we look at 2015, uh, the, those regulation, I mean, they were strong and they, they are strong. Uh, they, they put us with tobacco and from there on, once you're part of tobacco, you got to follow the rules of tobacco, which is crazy because, uh, you know, we should be able to educate customers, uh, to, to, I mean, vaping is not as easy as lighting up a cigarette. Uh, but beyond that, to be honest, I mean, we were good from 2015 to 2020. I mean, if it wasn't for, I don't know that. If it wasn't for Eval I, I don't know that we would be having this discussion today because that's what sparked everything. And it was the liberal uh, that put pressure on the current government saying, what are you going to do about all those kids dying from vaping? Uh, so beyond that, I think, I think you know, yes, it's harsh, but business, uh, vaping business as, as an industry in Quebec has been thriving. It's been, it's been positive. Uh, the problem is the public opinion, the perception uh, driven by media uh, that that uh, possibly stop our growth. I mean, we still have a million smokers in Quebec. That's one out of eight. I mean, I'm baffled to see how many people are smoking in their cars. Uh, 
so so we should be able we should be allowed to to take this further and and to uh, you know make a bigger dent in the smoking population. Uh, but with what's being put in place, it's not going to happen. What is being threatened right now in Quebec that can make things much worse? What is being threatened? Uh, if, if you ask me, they're, they're threatening the second largest market for vaping in Canada. We have we just recently passed a billion dollar mark. There's about uh, a per year in vaping uh, revenues in Canada. We have 400 vape shops in Quebec. So all of those are at risk, just like Nova Scotia, Southern Fall and over 2000 jobs. But that's that's the economic side of it. The customers that go in there, we got an average of 12,000 to 18,000 transactions per day. So where are those transactions going when they ban flavors? Where do they go when uh, they're either going to smoking or whatever is left on the high concentration of nicotine? It's it's a it's a tragedy that when they put these measures in, like for example, Quebec banned flavors. Where's the uh, where's the where's the um, impact study? Have they looked at what the impact is to smokers? There's 14 Quebecers that die every single day. There should be at least a study that says what impact this has on the smoker. It doesn't for, for it doesn't even say what impact it has on youth. It just says uh, we believe that it's going to curb youth. But is there anything that actually demonstrates it will have an impact on youth? As far as I could tell, uh, minors are not allowed in my shop. So how are they getting access to it? It's, it doesn't make sense to me the way they're going about it. And they really need to take a hard look and start thinking about smokers. And so I, has, I, Go ahead. Sorry. And I, I think there's a bit of a disconnect between smoking and vaping because, uh, you know, as a vape shop owner, you cannot survive on tobacco and, and flavorless. Uh, you just can't. So in their mind, well, people can, we're not banning vaping. People can still, still vape. Then they go to convenience stores. Convenience stores do not do the work that vape shops do. I mean, the education, the troubleshooting. I mean, there's a lot of things involved in, in, in vaping that uh, I think these elected officials do not comprehend. And if you speak to them, which I've spoken to a bunch of them, they have no clue. They have no clue. All they know is that there's a youth uptake and this needs to be tackled. And that's the only way they can comprehend uh, that, that they know how to, how to fix it. You know, if, if I were to be fair to uh, Health Canada and all the people that are making decisions, uh, some of the regulations did make sense, right? We don't want to sell to minors. Makes sense. We want to hide our products so it doesn't appeal them. We want to take off the animals and characters and not call it uh, cotton candy or something like that. That all makes sense because we need to make it a mature. We're targeting mature smokers. So there's no need to put those. It definitely seems like that would be to, uh, to entice youth. But when you look at how they went about it and legalized it, but did not put any controls in place to make sure that the big tobacco who had the big finances to run through this industry aggressively and push their products to uh, the average consumer. Um, in my opinion, the real reason we have a youth uptake is because government regulations were not properly thought out. If they properly thought it out, they would put restrictions in place for those big pockets and make sure they weren't able to run free for a year, two years after legalization. And now they're about to put 20 milligrams and Think about which black market is going to grow once you ban anything over 20 and how easy that is to get into a black market. And then I fear they're just going to turn and scapegoat us again and say it's a vaping industry. Look at them. We banned it and now they flooded the black market. So the approach the government's taking 
is is like a double-edged sword, in my opinion. Do you think, uh, and this is to both of you, do you think that the government has been captured by the nonprofit health groups and, you know, third-party lobby groups and their interests? I mean, captured, you know, I'm not sure what you mean by captured, but definitely influenced. Uh, but it, it doesn't only come from, from them. It comes from uh, the mainstream media as well. I mean, you make, uh, you know, John Doe will live an extra 20 years because he stopped smoking at 39 and started vaping. It's never going to make the headlines. But uh, kids that might have multiple uh, sexual partners has made the headlines like everywhere, uh, you know, back in February, I think when, uh, so it, it's all that misinformation led by the media. Uh, and then you have, you have all these health groups that just get on top of this and, and feed it. Um, yeah. and, and you know, it's, it's, they want to get reelected. So what's a, an easy issue. I mean, often you'll get that MNA that wants to make the news and needs a topic to kind of get in, in, in front of cameras. Uh, this is what we're dealing with. And one thing I could add to that, because in Quebec, we have uh, a coalition, uh, the Coalition for uh, Tobacco Control in Quebec. And recently in the news, they reported that the government gives this uh, association a whole lot of money and even retirement packages. It's a lobby. So essentially, they're paying a lobby to lobby themselves to put stricter uh tobacco regulations, as well as some other things like sugar, like taxing sugary drinks and stuff like that. And they dare say that the R industry, the independent vaping industry, it has a conflict of interest with big tobacco when they're paying their own lobbyists to lobby themselves. There's a real hypocrisy going on in, uh, in the echelons of power here, which I don't really understand. It makes me very bitter when I look at it. And um, and when you do take a look now at that association, you wonder why it looks like a, uh, like their feed looks like it's been curated to only show negative reports on vaping. Where's all the positive? It's not even showing up on their radar. Like it doesn't exist. Who or what organization is the biggest anti-vaping proponent in Quebec and Canada for that matter? Uh, it's called the Coalition Québécoise pour la lutte contre le tabac, which basically means a coalition of Quebecers for tobacco control. And David, in Canada, who do you think? Well, I mean, you know, you have the Heart and Stroke, you have the Cancer Society, you have all these yeah. guys, uh, you know, which is crazy because 30% of all cancers uh, are caused by smoking. Uh, so on one hand, you have the Cancer Society uh, in the UK uh, promoting vaping as a, a safer alternative to smoking. And here, I mean, they don't talk about cigarettes anymore. They, they barely talk about cigarettes. It's all about vaping. What do you think is driving this mad obsession with vaping? It's hard to put your finger on. I, uh... I think they're, 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 they, they live in a perfect world where they believe they can achieve a smoke-free society. It's, it's a very noble thing, and it would be great if we can achieve that. But I think it's irrealistic because uh, there are more people like me, for example, who don't want to quit. I don't want to quit. I enjoy vaping as I enjoy drinking a fine wine. So uh, you could batter that all you want. And there's a certain segment of the population that will always be that way. The important thing is to reduce the harm. Well, I think, I think 
I would add to this, I mean, Brent, you spent, I don't know, countless years trying to figure this out, right? Uh, so if anybody knows, it's you, but from my end, you know, maybe they want a, 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 the best possible world, but I think most likely it's money and power. That's mm. what that comes down to. I mean, you got, you got big pharma, you got big tobacco. I mean, treating those cancers, you know, we had, we had a big protest here in Quebec and, and there was a, um, uh, what's a pneumologue? A pneumologist. A pneumologist uh, that was there. And he said, it costs $60,000 a year, uh, sorry, $60,000 to treat a cancer in Quebec. It costs $40,000 a year to put a nurse in charge of arm reduction and helping people quit smoking. They, they, there's only three in a whole province on count, countless amount of hospitals. They don't want to put the money there, but they're treating, treating cancer and just spending that money there. I mean, why? Why would you do it this way? Why not put, you know, put your money, find this, the, the, the leading cause of the problem and try to tackle it? You know, they're, there's, they're, they're funding cancer research. You don't need research. Smoking causes 30% of it. <laughs> Why? What are you searching for? You know, fix the issue. So um, this is what we're dealing with. So you got you to gotta wonder why. Uh, and I think money, power, greed, uh, probably, I mean, it's, it's, it's the main a reason. Perfect. It's the main reason for most problems our society's dealing with. The, the, you know, the, the planet, everything is money, power, and greed. Is it fair that the regulator is using a, a, a small snapshot of time in order to essentially remove access to these products and choice to adults in Canada who need it for harm reduction? It's definitely not. It's not fair. And it's the same thing they're doing with the, the Quebec regulations. They took a snapshot about, what, two years ago on Ivali. They've never updated it since. So for them, Ivali is by, caused by vaping. And I don't know if it's... I don't want to call our government liars or anything like that, but at the very least, it's extremely ignorant because um, they have all the proof now. They have all the studies, and um, it, it's it's it, it, they've they've instead of clarifying it, they've called now vaping. It, it includes whether it's THC products or whether it's nicotine. It's all vaping to them. They make no distinction, so there's no need for them to even try to get away from Ivali the same thing to them well and at the same time i would say look it, it whether the data is two years old or not uh youth uptake needs to be addressed the only thing is that they they're not taking the right approach because uh in quebec for instance we have the highest success rate of uh inspection in the country so when, when an inspector send a, a minor to buy a vape product uh, we comply uh, at the highest rate uh, nationally. So that's not where the kids grab, they, they get a hold of the product. They get it elsewhere. They get it, whether it's online, whether it's through friends, whether it's, you know, uh, because of the advertising that we spoke about, uh, all this stuff needs to be addressed. But banning flavors uh, is not the right way because that's not the gate. That's not the purpose of, you know, when kids try vaping, I mean, I was I was smoking cigarettes at 12 years old. It, it wasn't because it tastes good. 
just because you know cool people do it i want it to be cool and that's that's what you do when you're a teenager and isn't it just semantics anyhow when it comes to flavors because there's still flavor in tobacco that's a flavor so it's not unflavored yeah this, this is nonsense i mean the the tobacco flavors are made with uh different aromas uh you know from from uh nuts uh vanilla uh different different things uh, if you really wanted tobacco flavor, I mean, we'd probably have to just put tar in the bottle and here you go. Flavors are everywhere, right? Uh, tangerine Dream, uh, uh, Vanilla Breeze and all of these different things. And uh, this seems to be fine in the cannabis industry. And the flavors are just OK. I know they're looking at those, too, but it's it's very, um, you know, one place it's OK, the other place it's not. David, let me ask you about an example of one of the ways in which uh, the organized groups are attacking vaping. There was this very interesting thing that happened with CN Towers a few weeks back. What was that? Well, basically, uh, this this doctor, uh, Nicholas Shaddy, which um, led the Anti-Vaping Awareness Day, uh, which was backed by uh, the government of Canada, uh, and to basically showcase his initiative, they decided to put the, um, the CN Tower lit up in black and yellow. Um, the thing that they did not do is that it's really an anti-vaping awareness for kids. Uh, but the CN Tower didn't specify that in their post. So this is the type of things we're dealing with here is that there, as you see, it was it was not so clear uh, what it meant or what it was for. So uh, it, it's this type of behavior that is tainting our industry and and what we're doing. Uh, if there was some sort of clarity, which they they kind of said after the fact, but if it's not in your main post. If you're not clearly stating what you're doing, that kids should not vape. Look, I agree. Kids should not vape. Uh, you want to put that? You want to lit up the CN Tower black and yellow and say kids should not vape? Then fine. But anti-vaping awareness day, when we're 95% less harmful than tobacco and we're helping people every day of our lives, I mean, it's it's a, a far fetch. John? Oh, the first numbers I saw when I first got in the industry uh, f about five years ago, uh, the population was sitting at around 45%, which means about 45% of the population believed that vaping uh, was a safer alternative. But after Ivali struck, after uh, all of these campaigns, battery explosions, and all of these clickbait uh, reporting tactics uh, occurred, uh, we're, we're now at around 10, 15%. So can you imagine there are smokers, a lot of them out there, smoking that cigarette, no idea that there's something that could save their life. They've never tried it because they fear that they're going to add another deadly consequence to their life. It's a shame. It's a shame. And I'll give you an example. During that period of Ivali or Ivali, um, you know, going outside, vaping, smoker right next to you, looking at you, and basically, you know, that thing's going to kill you. I mean, that's that's the extent of, of where we've come. And posts like this just uh, feed that message, that narrative. Yeah, and, uh, I've experienced that myself too as well. Um, as a former smoker and a vapor, I've been uh, at a barbecue 
uh, with somebody that I've smoked a billion cigarettes with, and that person still smokes, and the total derision around the vaping. Uh, well, at least we know what's in a cigarette. <laughs> So uh, let me just point out, um, New Brunswick health minister says legislation pending as opposition calls for clampdown on youth vaping. It just never ends. Let's have a quick listen to this. New Brunswick's health minister says further legislation to combat youth vaping is on the way as the opposition calls for more to be done. Health Minister Dorothy Shepard tabled legislation this week that would create a registry of businesses selling vaping products as part of the effort to crack down on the use of e-cigarettes by minors. Opposition parties have said the bill won't actually address the problem of youth vaping, but Shepard says more is on the way. This is only the first bill that's being brought forward, and this is about regulation and licensing. And so th there, there is more to come. When asked if further legislation could impose bans on flavored vape juices, and raise the required age to purchase vaping products, Shepard was direct. Damn straight. These sorts of measures are being called for by the Canadian Cancer Society. In a survey of New Brunswick youth, they found that over 90% who vape use flavors, and almost half said they'd stop if flavors weren't available. Liberal health critic J.C. Damore introduced legislation in November that would ban flavored vape juice, but the bill has sat on the order paper untouched for months. He says he wants to see the issue addressed by the government. If you look at all those organizations, what they are looking for, it's really to uh, you know, uh, eliminate the flavor, uh, like uh, the bill that I present. Uh. Megan Mitten says she wants to see the restrictions put in place to discourage use from vaping, even if it is still useful for older New Brunswickers. I think there is an argument for the, the this recent vaping technology to exist with the tobacco flavor to help adults to transition off of cigarettes. Nova Scotia and PEI have already banned the sale of flavored vape juices, and PEI has recently raised the legal age to purchase all tobacco and vape products to 21. Silas Brown, Global News, Fredericton. Damn straight. Damn straight. You know, when, when they say that 90% of youth likes flavor, it's the same thing, same thing for adults. You know, they, they, and that's the problem is that there's, there's three sides to a story. There's one side, the other, and there's the, the truth, the, what's in the middle. Um, so they always look on one side. They don't even look on the other. Uh, it, it is, uh, and, and, you know, I said earlier that it's often led by politician that needs their five minutes. Well, you, you see it there. I mean, it's always the opposition. How, do, how does the opposition make the headlines, make news, make try to make some noise to get elected next go round? Well, it's always the opposition. I, I can't help but think that what we're telling smokers is that the only thing you can do is quit. And when they fail over and over in quitting, we, uh, we still tell them the only thing to do is quit. It's about time we start waking up and start actually talking about harm reduction in terms of tobacco. It's a leading cause. I don't know. I, I feel like uh, we, have, we have some hope. We have a lot of people working very hard, so I, st I won't give up on the hope, although it seems pretty dire. Um, I'm hoping the government sees the wisdom behind our presentations when it's time for the public audience and gives us the exemption the same day, the same way they did in 2015 and gives us an Ontario-like model where flavors are only available in vape shops. I know, I know it's not a perfect scenario, but it, it, it actually provides the government with an excellent tool to control because you go down from four or 5,000 locations of sale 
to about a thousand and we have a track record like david was saying 95 percent of the time we're not selling to youth so entrusted in the vape shops and then over time hopefully we could change and influence the politicians to see the science and the facts that we've been presenting them and get better outcomes because truly we need to have vapes where smokes are sold gentlemen it's pretty certain here now that we've seen what's been going on with the pandemic that there's a bit of a safety culture going on you know it's a precautionary principle kind of based culture you know make sure that you keep people safe and so i wonder how much you guys think that some of the vaping uh, might be wrapped up in that because of course the idea here is that we have to just wipe the market of all of these vapes in order to make sure that we keep uh, our youth safe well it, it, you know it's funny because you're asking the question, but you know, you're talking about vaping. You want to take, keep people safe, get them off cigarette. I mean, that's, that's, that's the first thing you want to keep people safe, get them off cigarette. And we're here offering a tool that is 95% safer than cigarette, which we can't say, we cannot say it, but it, it is, and it's proven. So you want to help people, keep them safe, get them off cigarette. Yeah, and if I, if I may, we, we can't underscore the black market. It's responsible for tainted supplies and not only the vaping industry of THC, which we saw in the United States, uh, we see it as well with the op opioids that are killing people by the scores. Uh, so many people are dying. Uh, after decades of prohibition, why are we going back to prohibition? A regulated supply is the safest bet for all of these products. There is a messaging coming out and I see it coming out from the World Health Organization and it has impacted all the way to our province because uh, I don't know if, it, if you know, but I have never met any of government officials here except uh, maybe a, a local um, uh, the, the, the opposition critic or something, uh, but they refuse. And the, the health minister here, Aruda, and my first attempts to meet with him and at least have a discussion. You know, we've done that in every other province. There's no reason Quebec couldn't have a discussion. Uh, I, you know, I still speak to my ex-wife. <laughs> you know, everybody could talk, but um, no. And they gave us the article 5.3 of the World Health Organization that says you will not uh, be influenced by big tobacco. So you can't meet with the industry. And so they blanket us as tobacco. So uh, they can't meet with us. The only chance we're going to get is a 15 minute or a five minute uh, uh, public audience where I get to present why I think they should do X, Y, and Z for vaping, and that's it. If you were able to sit down uh, with uh, officials in Quebec, John, what's your what's your bottom line message for? My bottom line message is you need to be on the ground and speak to the people who are impacted, the smokers, the vapors, and you need to take their data and their science to the table that you are at when you're speaking to the vape orgs and challenge these vape anti-vape organizations with this data and you have to make sure that you, that's they're not the only ones you're consulting because you're putting yourself as risk at risk as a politician of now taking that conflict of interest that these anti-vaping orgs have into your regulations you need to have a balanced approach and the best way to do that is talk to the people on the ground ask them how their health was improved through vaping some of them have been vaping already for 10 years 
you can definitely get some data from there. And David, finally, uh, what's your message then, say, for consumers out there that are vapors that haven't done much yet? What can they do? Well, look, I, I, I was thinking about this. I think that the reason why a lot of people haven't done much uh, is because they just can't believe it's happening. They, they don't think it's going to go through because we're in Canada. We're not, we're not in some third world country that's corrupted. And I mean, we're in Canada. We could, you know, Trudeau said he was going to take his decision based on science. The science is there. Uh, they all said it. It was going to be based on science. So, uh, but if, I mean, it's coming. I, you know, to what extent we don't know, but it's coming. It's 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 in writings. So uh, if if you haven't done uh, it yet, go on tobaccokills.ca and contact your elected official.